Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. Uh, we have got a great episode for you this week. We are going to dig in on the Democratic malaise. Uh, Doug is going to cover some election scuttlebutt. And then we're really excited to welcome state senator and candidate Morgan McGarvey, uh, running in Kentucky's third congressional district, Senator in Louisville. Uh, then we're going to close with our call to action. Uh, but first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? Look, folks, we are... We're the kernels of truth. I'm not going to lie to you. We are a red state right now. But I think our people know that they're getting a raw deal from the clowns in Frankfurt. Uh, our GOP super duper majority thinks their primary job is to stop Andy Bashir to take away his power and block his each and every move. But Andy's popular, way more popular and better known than these yahoos. So we've got to connect the dots and fill in the blanks for folks. If you want a legislature that works with Andy, not against him, we need your voice and your vote. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky. It's easy. Just follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you spend your time on social media. Just make sure to like and share and comment on our content. If you like what you're hearing on Kernels of Truth, perhaps as a podcast, uh, leave us a review, uh, share out the show, give us a thumbs up. All right. So let's check in with our amazing co-hosts. We're going to let you know who you are, who they are, where they are, and what their protest sign says today. Because uh, again... We're not just some, you know, new show. Uh, we are a digital demonstration for a more compassionate Commonwealth. Uh, and if you've got a protest sign, you should put it in the chat. Uh, and uh, you there watching on the interwebs. So let's see. My, I'm Aaron coming to you from Childsburg, uh, which is a suburb, uh, a development in Lexington. Uh, my uh, sign says today, I am riding with Biden. That's that's what I'm saying right now. Uh, all right, let's go to Nima. Hey, guys, I'm Nima. I am here in Lexington, not anything fancy like Charlesburg. I'll just go ahead and say Lexington. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but my protest sign today, there it is, says union. And I think that it is uh, self-explanatory. Uh, guys, I'll tell you what, I have been energized by watching the labor movement build and build over the last couple of years, the news that um, they're trying to unionize here in Lexington and Kentucky for Amazon workers, and also shaking my finger uh, fiercely at Honey Brothers Coffee, been following that as well, uh, rooting for Honey Brothers uh, employees to get their union, get what they deserve. And for the company there to actually be the progressives they say they are. Awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, so I think since the last time you were with us, you've had like a change. You know, this is not just, it's not, you're not just a, you know, un, uh, you know, uh, unbiased observer of the labor movement. Uh, you are, in fact, yeah, let's see that. Uh, what do you got there? What are you holding up there, Nima? It's my koozie. And it, it you know, uh, every good union should have a koozie. Uh, for sure. any cold beverage they choose, this is a Coke Zero uh, <laughs> tonight. But yeah, um, I actually left uh, Fayette County Public Schools after 18 years of being a classified uh, a salaried employee there um, with central office and decided to take my own advice and uh, that I say all the time, which was Superman's not coming. Uh, we are our own superheroes. And we just have to take the jump ourselves um, off the cliff and see where we land and when it comes to these issues. And so the opportunity uh, came up and um, AFT, which is the American Federation of Teachers, 
said we've been organizing here about, uh, well, we started in a pandemic because, you know, we never do anything easy. <laughs> um, and so, um, so our goal is to receive a contract uh, in any county in the state that wants it. We're focusing in here on Fayette right now and other counties, uh, Meade County's coming on strong. And um, so, you know, we're just, we're building something uh, from the ground up. And I'll tell you guys, it's not easy uh, going up against tradition or this is the way we've always done things or, you know, we're not really sure. And I'll tell you, one of the things that really bothers me, and I also today have on my coal miner's daughter hat. Uh, if you guys are wondering uh, what this is, I'm wearing on my head today. Uh, but, you know, my dad was a United Mine Worker and was also local vice president. Uh when I was growing up and he also lobbied in DC for two years in 1984, uh, certainly 1984 and, uh, on behalf of the union. So union is deep in my family. It runs in my blood. And a lot of Kentuckians have that same story. Uh, my grandpa, my great grandpa, all union folks. And, and it seems like we've kind of forgotten what unions actually do, uh, here in Kentucky and, and how they help working people. And I'm hoping that this new movement that we're, I'm glad to be a part of um, and glad to see uh, sweep across the country. I'm hoping that workers realize that they have rights too, and they don't have to work themselves to death just to make an honest living wage. And, and um, you know, they deserve to be treated well. Yeah. And sure. we need a seat at the table. And I'm so excited uh, to see what's going on. And I'm so excited to see Kentucky getting involved again in the labor movement because we used to be labor union strong and we can get back there again. Yeah, that's awesome. And congratulations on, you know, making the jump and being like an actual, you know, union organizer, paid union organizer. That's awesome. Uh, my, you know, when we had Matt uh, Alley on, I think I, I told the story. My great grandfather was a founder of a of a local Teamsters union in, in Washington State, and so that was, you know, the way I grew up. Right, was the politics of of unions was really important, and I think the gains they they made for workers were absolutely clear. And you know, now we're a right to work state, so we got a work cut out for us. But you know, that it's showing that there's you know there's absolutely more engagement and more attention and more activity in the labor movement there has been for, for a long, long time. And mm -hmm. I'm excited to see the AFT and, you know, all the great stuff that's happening for sure. And I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be buying any, I mean, I, I live in Lexington, so there's not really a, you know, Honey Brothers co coffee too uh, easy for me to go to, but when I drive through Louisville, I am not stopping there at all uh, <laughs> until, you know, they, they treat their workers better for sure. All right. So we, have uh, chatted for a while and we've totally abandoned our third co-host. So I'm so sorry. Uh, Doug, Doug, are you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. I was just enjoying the uh, conversation, uh, hearing some, some really good things. I'm Doug Price. I'm located in Harrison County, Kentucky. And you can check us out coming to the uh, August 12th summer concert series, downtown Cynthiana at 6 p.m. My sign says... I'm going to hold it up. I always type one up. Vote and keep the third. Yeehaw. 120% for sure. Uh, all right. So I know we're going to get into uh, welcome, Doug. And again, I hope that your backers in the Cynthiana Chamber of Commerce are proud of your work. 
Uh, I hope you're getting something on the side for this because I, you know, we're not seeing anything of it. Uh, and uh, all I know is my HOA hates it when I mention Childsburg. <laughs> um, all right. I'll, I will say this. Uh, we're going to check in the news of the week, but we want to actually touch back on a story that you covered uh, kind of briefly last week, Doug, I think in your kind of uh, your rundown of some of the laws that were coming into effect you are interested in uh, in an ethics uh, investigation that was happening. And NEMA has an update for us, I think. Is that right? Yeah. So um, we don't know a whole lot, but I guess not knowing a whole lot is better than it being dismissed completely. So, you know, unfortunately, guys, we, um, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, 120 AFT filed an ethics complaint against Representative Kim Banta over the charter school vote. You know, there was a lot of tomfoolery going on with that. And we had heard uh, for the last year or two that there might be some uh, shenanigans, I guess is the best way to put it, going on uh, between the big, huge development uh, company up there in North uh, northern Kentucky in this charter slash voucher deal. So we filed an ethics complaint. Um, we've been told that the ethics complaint is an ongoing investigation, and we hope to hear something back in August. But, you know, here's the thing, and I think this is important for all Kentuckians to realize and remember, is that if we don't hold these folks accountable for the things that are going on in Frankfurt, it's only going to get worse for us in Kentucky. Um, we have legislators who own bourbon companies who push through bourbon legislation, insurance companies who push through in, or insurance salesmen who push insurance stuff. We have all these people who are there for specific groups, but I sit around a lot of times and scream into the void and wonder who is going to stand up for all of us? Who's going to stand up for just regular Kentuckians? And until we decide that a lot of these folks aren't our friends, they're electeds, they're politicians, they're not our friends. I don't care if they make a great chicken casserole at the potluck, they might be a great human being, but if they're doing things up there that do not help Kentuckians, only certain Kentuckians and certain wealthy Kentuckians, then this shit has to stop. Amen. And, you know, if we are the ones that are the, you know, the heels and the villains in this story, because we dared to say, can somebody take a look at this? Then absolutely, I'm going to do it. I'm not here to be anybody's friend. I'm here to make change. And, you know, and, and it's just so frustrating for me to see this time after time, every session we go through this. So that's the update on it, guys. And, you know, I can go on and on about the nonsense, but we've got to rise up together, y'all, because we're just getting rolled over. We're yeah. getting rolled yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that uh, super duper majority in Frankfurt is not anyone's friend. And I, I doubt that you can bring good things to the potluck, honestly, if I'm if I'm, if I'm being honest. Anyway. Uh, they don't strike me as good cooks. Uh, all right. So we're going to roll into some new stories that uh, Doug is going to cover a little bit about what's what's looming, uh, not this year's election, but next year's election. And what's uh, what's the scuttlebutt there? Doug, what do you got for us? Uh, sure. Tonight, I want to talk about the intrigue, the ins and outs and rumors surrounding some of the executive branch elections coming up in 2023. All of that factored in with opinion and supposition, but coupled with facts too. 
Of course, the cop rates will be the governor's election featuring Andy Beshear on the Democratic side and an ever-growing list of Republicans, including Mike Harmon, Ryan Quarles, Quarles, Daniel Cameron, Savannah Maddox, all of whom are office hopping, and another potential candidate, Kelly Craft. Harmon jumped in first after having been elected to two four-year terms as auditor. He served as a legislator for 13 years, ran for lieutenant governor with Phil Moffitt in the 2012 gubernatorial race. And the bottom line, in my opinion, he may become a lieutenant governor candidate later in the race. He was a first in and is traveling the Commonwealth, but not generating the almighty important campaign contributions. Current Agricultural Commissioner Ryan Quarles is traveling the Commonwealth too and has a substantial war chest, easily outdistancing other candidates. He graduated from UK in under four years with a triple major and two master's degrees, then did graduate work at Harvard, followed by a doctorate from Vanderbilt University. Daniel Cameron could have run for another term as attorney general, but decided to throw his hat in the ring for the top spot. I believe that Cameron has a full support of his mentor, Mitch McConnell, and Mitch may well put considerable pressure on other candidates to step aside. This is what I believe happened when Senator Whitney Whit uh, Westerfield, when he dropped out of the AG race, when Cameron announced a run for the office. There are some rumors about this race and I'll cycle back to that in a bit. Savannah Maddox, the ultra-conservative, God-fearing, Bible-thumping Republican from Northern Kentucky, entered the race on the sixth day of the sixth month, but I'm not sure if it happened at 6 p.m. Will she end up as a lieutenant governor candidate? But with so many in the race, could she pull out a win? That has to be her strategy, or perhaps trying to become a lieutenant governor candidate with the winner of the Republican Goober primary. The wild card in this race is Kelly Kraft, wife of Joe Kraft, both originally from Kentucky. Joe and Kelly have a home in Oklahoma where his company, Alliance Coal, is based. He is the eighth richest person in Oklahoma with an estimated net worth of $1.4 but he's not listed as being on the billionaire list in Kentucky. One of the rumors floating around is that when she declares she will write a check to her campaign account for a cool $500,000. I expect the Crafts have homes in Oklahoma and Kentucky, but apparently she must be a resident of Kentucky. The Kentucky Constitution states the governor and lieutenant governor shall be at least 30 years of age and have been citizens and residents of Kentucky for at least six years next preceding their election. Just want to toss this interesting fact in, fact in, Joe and Kelly did take the giving pledge in 2012 and have made multiple donations to worthy causes, including some not so worthy. They donated $1 million to the Trump Presidential Committee. Did this have anything to do with Kelly being appointed U.S. Ambassador to Canada? The Attorney General race will be open, and I've heard rumors that current Secretary of State Michael Adams might be interested in this position. Of course, if he runs for this position, then the Secretary of State's office opens up. Now, let me throw in some of the rumors augmented by supposition. 
In other words, I'm deviating from known facts. I believe Mitch handpicked Cameron initially and strongly supports him and has shown that support by encouraging a new law to be passed that requires a governor to nominate a person of the same party to replace a sitting U.S. Senator. One rumor is that Mitch wanted Cameron to replace him now and have Kelly Kraft run for governor. Then another rumor had that Cameron would run for governor along with Kelly Kraft as lieutenant governor. Before Cameron's term ends, Mitch would retire, Cameron would appoint himself to replace Mitch, and Kelly would assume the seat of the governor. Both presumably would run again. Much intrigue. We shall see how everything works out. The Secretary of State, I've seen nothing official yet. Auditor, the current term limited state treasurer, Allison Ball, is running for the auditor's office. She believes her experience handling money can help her check to make sure all state offices are handling money properly. On a personal note, I applaud the effort she has made in returning unclaimed property to citizens, but have told her and her office many, many times that much more can be done, and I'll continue to do that if she is elected to the auditor's position. Next up is the state treasurer, Andrew Cooper Ryder, is running for this office. I'm certain that owning a coffee shop has taught him how to take on this office. Also, it is rumored that O.J. Olika may throw his hat in, in this ring. Previously, he worked at the KSD office, so at least he knows where the building is located. Finally, the Ag Commissioner. Quarles is term limited, and so far, there are two Republicans in the race, current Representative Richard Heath and former Representative Jonathan Shell. I expect that we will periodically update on these races, and perhaps we'll have some great quotes from Fancy Farm, which is happening on Saturday, August the 6th. That's my report. Back to you, Aaron. Uh, thank you, Doug. Thank you for the uh, the conspiracy theories about how Mitch is running it all behind the scenes. I don't know. You know, it's probably not that far away from the truth. But uh, I thought this whole race was over. Trump endorsed Dan Cameron. Why are the, why are we even talking about it? You know, also, we shouldn't be talking about it because we got very important elections happening between now and that year uh, next year. Uh, so I definitely think we we need to focus our energy Perhaps not our intrigue, uh, you know, meters, but our energy needs to be focused on getting rid of Rand Paul, if I'm being honest. And, you know, uh, making sure that we uh, put up as many great candidates and fight as hard as possible to win at the, uh, the local level, at the state level. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking to one of those amazing candidates later today. So I'm very excited to have uh, with us Morgan McGarvey. But we got a few more stories I want to cover before we uh, before we get to our our interview. So. I wanted to cover this kind of <laughs> this democratic malaise. The polls are horrible. Everyone apparently hates Joe Biden, but the guy is racking up victories. Why is everyone hating on him? And yeah, okay, I get it. There's some things that aren't doing great. You know, we've all heard the polls aren't good. I have a hunch we kind of lost sight about how much the guy has actually gotten done and how little he can do about a couple of things that he gets tagged with constantly. So a friend of mine uh, who is a political guy uh, he does you know he does politics as a job uh he is right now i think working on the beto campaign in texas but he rattled off a list of joe biden's accomplishments uh and i thought they were wonderful and so i shared them out on our uh, our kernels of truth group there uh and it's it's not 
insignificant, right? Like unemployment at a at an incredible low, 3.6%, created 9 million new jobs. He's done 6.2 billion in student debt relief, right? Because he's held student debt uh, from uh, having to be repaid through the through the pandemic. He, of course, passed the American Rescue, Rescue Plan to deal with the pandemic. I don't know if folks also get their... Uh, their um, press releases from Governor Bashir. If you go to the governor's page, there's a, there's like press release every day about some great project they're doing in some local county, and it's all American Rescue Plan money that's that's spending that to help create help our communities. They passed the first gun law in 30 years. More about that later. He's confirmed 70 plus judges and counting. It's the strongest NATO alliance since the 50s. Uh, the first infrastructure bill in decades. And if you remember that last guy, he couldn't get a single infrastructure bill passed, uh, you know, try as he might, uh, even no matter how many infrastructure weeks he proclaimed. Uh, the first, uh, a new Supreme Court justice, first black woman, amazing woman. Uh, he's gotten actually $1.5 billion from Mexico for border security. So he actually is going to make Mexico pay for it. Uh, he reduced the deficit in 2022 by $1.7 trillion. Uh, also, we are on the verge of codifying marriage equality, as well as looking at sweeping executive actions on reproductive rights, on climate change, on the environment as soon as Labor Day, now that we've basically exhausted our legislative options on those solutions. Gas prices have been dropping daily for over a month. It's now under four bucks, continues to fall. Auto production is up uh, at 2019 levels and increasing, uh, you know, and that doesn't cover like what's happening in the uh, in the Department of Justice around January uh, January sixth and and what you know the the investigations that are happening. So this has all been done with fifty Democratic senators, a a very very uh, narrow majority, uh, and in fact only forty eight of those Democratic senators are actually useful. But yeah, for sure. He could have done more, could have done it bigger, done it faster, whatever. The guy's hands have been uh, tied on a very real level because of Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema uh, and Mitch McConnell and the fact that, you know, uh, everything gets filibustered, right? So I think it's a decent list of accomplishments. We should kind of not lose sight of the forest for the trees here, people. And yeah, I get it. There's you know inflation and that's not a lot of fun and the price of gas was relatively high. But, you know, that's happening in the entire Western world, right? Everyone that's been dealing with this pandemic and the fallout and the supply chain and Russia, like we're all dealing with the same stuff. That's not Joe Biden. So at any rate, I just want to, you know, give people a little bit of a shot in the arm and like, we should be, we should be a little bit more, I don't know. I get it. He's old, whatever. <laughs> I feel like we should, you know, not lose sight of what's actually happened in DC. So there we go. That's my, uh, my take on it. Uh, let's look for the positive and let's actually celebrate the victories as opposed to, you know, just dealing with this kind of malaise anyway. Uh, so now we're going to do the next thing that really quickly, we've got, uh, I think a handful of DC Kentucky stories that we want to do. Doug, do you have a timer? Can we do like, we don't have Kimberly tonight. She is busy with an election that she is, you know, she's got to vote in, uh, but in her honor, I was hoping we could do Kentucky DC news uh, under five. Do you have a timer, Doug? Doug, are you there? I'm here. It started. You better go. What are you talking about? It started. I just what? <laughs> oh, all right, come on now. Now I know why she complains. All right. So if you're not feeling Biden and the Democrats, here's your alternative. The Kentucky House GOP have been united this past week. United in voting against gay marriage and contraception that's what they did every single member 
of the Kentucky uh, House GOP in D.C. voted against protecting gay marriage and protecting access to con- contraception. There you go. All right. And next, we got Rand Paul. If you remember Rand Paul as uh, Putin's postman, uh, because he, of course, delivered mail uh, from Trump to Putin. Uh, he has apparently been blacklisted by uh, the Ukraine. Uh, from the Herald Sun, uh, from the Herald Leader, we have Senator Rand Paul has been placed on a Ukrainian blacklist for promoting Russian propaganda. Following months of critical comments about U.S. involvement in the ongoing war, the country's Center for Countering Disinformation listed Kentucky's junior senator among a group of politicians, including Tulsi Gabbard, uh, academics and activists that it sees as hostile to the country as it continues to try to beat back Russia's five-month invasion. If you remember, Rand also held up a $40 billion aid, aid package when they needed unanimous consent to move forward. He wouldn't give it to them. Uh, he then, in fact, voted to oppose the spending bill. Uh, and he's agreed with Putin that the U.S. could be thought to be provoking Russia by supporting Ukraine's uh, you know, efforts to join NATO. Not that they've like supported it. They just said, well, hey, that's up to Ukraine. If they want to join NATO, it's up to NATO and Ukraine. We're not going to like put our thumb on the scales. So that's what... Uh, that's what Rand Paul thinks is provoking Russia. You know, green with Putin again. All right, uh, last story. So speaking of blacklists, Mitch has been blacklisted by Jessamine County's GOP. Uh, this is from Lex 18. Uh, we had an allergic reaction to Senator McConnell siding with the Democrats on the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, said Robert Barney with the Jessamine uh, County GOP. I think his time has come and gone, Barney added. I think if you cannot see clearly that the Second Amendment is something that needs to be defended very, very strongly, then he's probably, well, it's, it's probably time to move on. Uh, personally, I have a hard time seeing what's so offensive in the bipartisan law. Uh, but, you know, Mitch McConnell, I think, was the only the only uh, uh, Kentucky uh, Republican to vote in favor of that bipartisan bill. Uh, Senator Chris Murphy has a one pager on the measure we'll throw into the chat if you want to take a look at it, uh, all the things the bill does. None of it strikes me as uh, against the Second Amendment. A lot of it's just resources to do more for uh, community safety and mental health, uh, school safety. Uh, maybe it's the resources for the red flag laws that really uh, offended Mr. Barney. Perhaps the fact that more gun dealers have to get federal licenses, uh, a few more days for background checks for troubled kids. I don't know exactly what's so offensive to him, but it's a lot. All right. So, hey, how, how many minutes was that, Doug? Two, oh, two minutes so and 56 seconds. So quick. We've even got some time to chat about those stories. Anyone got anything they want to say about our amazing delegation in D.C. and how they're uh, how they're representing our uh, our fair Commonwealth? My favorite part, my favorite story is the Mitch story in Jessamine County. You know, we've been watching this, at least I've been watching it. I'm sure you guys have too. This real kind of leaning of the Kentucky GOP over to more of a Rand Paul-esque uh, Thomas Massey kind of uh, mentality. And I have even posed this question on Twitter, or at least said this observation this week, which was, has Mitch lost the Kentucky GOP? And, uh, you know, guys, I'm going to be honest. You know, I, I think that uh, he might still be, you know, Mr. Big in D.C., but I think he's losing his uh, luster here in Kentucky, especially amongst his own party. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I think I pointed this out maybe last week when um, when Rand Paul sunk his uh, his judicial deal. Although I think it was mostly because Biden was looking for an excuse to sink the deal when it got out. But uh, but yeah, so you don't 
you don't lose political points even in Kentucky going against Mitch McConnell because Mitch no one likes Mitch McConnell right until you're in DC and you got to get stuff done and he's the guy that knows how to get stuff done right Rand Paul doesn't care about getting stuff done Thomas Massey doesn't care about getting stuff done all they want to do is like be quoted in the press for saying outrageously stupid uh, you know uh, uninsightful things that's that's their take right that's they're they're in this attention economy that's what they're trying to do they're not in the political economy of actually trying to win things for our commonwealth so as much as i do not like mitch mcconnell we absolutely like you know i kind of agree that politics is for helping your state get for, get further ahead we absolutely disagree on how you do that but you know i i honestly it's like it's nuts watching mitch uh, uh um thomas massey and Rand paul just pick fights with anyone so they can get coverage of picking the fights. Yeah. Okay. I got a couple of thoughts here. Mitch does not care. He's in for another four years and either before that or at that time, he's going to see that Daniel Cameron is appointed to that position and he doesn't really care what the people think. He has his idea. Uh, he wants to get money which gives him power and he uses that power to get more money. He, he really doesn't care what the people think. Uh, and also I'll say that the Harrison County Republican party a couple years ago also uh, did a full page ad or maybe it was a half page ad about Mitch McConnell and they were censoring him over something too. And I really think Mitch, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He has never cared. Actually, he thrives off the hatred that his own state has for him because he knows he's going to get elected. And I will say this before we kick it out of here. You know, I, Mitch McConnell is one of the most amazing political minds of our generation, my generation, for sure. Um, even though he's, I disagree with everything he does, he is quite the mastermind, the quite the chess player. And But I just don't understand... Um, why to why you build all of this and then allow it to go to lunatics like Rand Paul and Thomas Massey? Sure. Um, so you know, maybe Mitch will find his backbone again and, and really dig in and and um and do some stuff here in Kentucky. If not, I've said it before, I'll say it again the Kentucky GOP as we knew it is going to be lost, and I would say that that's going to happen within the next four years in the House and the Senate. We're going to have nothing but a bunch of uh, wackadoos. <laughs> yeah, we're getting close. And actually, somebody who can give us kind of firsthand accounts of the wackadoos uh, is waiting for us in the green room. So I do want to wrap this up and move on. We are really, uh, that was news of the week. A uh, lot of interesting news, always interesting news here in Kentucky. Uh, but as we are moving into our interview, we have got the Senate Minority Leader in Frankfurt, the winner of the Democratic primary for the Kentucky 3rd Congressional District, which is based in Louisville. Uh, he is focusing on health care, education, climate change, issues with a clear contrast to what would happen if, as most political analysts expect, Republicans take control of the chamber as the result of uh, November's elections. Uh, Senator McGarvey, as you might remember, beat Kentucky State uh, Rep Attica Scott in the primary with 63% of the vote. Now is positioned to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Republican Stuart Ray, who won his primary by just 58 votes. Uh, welcome, Morgan. Hey, Aaron. How are you doing? Oh, hey, Nima. Hey, Doug. <laughs> well, uh, we're doing great. We're so glad you've taken some time off the campaign trail to join us and, and tell us a little bit about your race and how things are going. But did you, you I don't know if you heard Nima's comment about the wackadoos in Frankfurt. 
if you have any, any firsthand accounts you'd like to share with us about how things are going back in Frankfurt, uh, as that super duper majority tends to kind of assert its will, which is whatever Andy Barr, you know, Andy Bashir wants to do, they are absolutely inextricably opposed to it, seems like most times. Yeah, and I think what it brings up is the fight we're in right now in 2022. And that is to cut into that super duper majority with some really good candidates that we have across the state who are running both for the state house and the state Senate. Um, this is one where you know, I've experienced this now on both sides. I'm running for Congress. There's a lot of people interested in my race. They should be. We see how important it is to have good voices in Washington, particularly that Kentucky gets a good Democratic voice in Washington. Um, but also people pay attention to the federal races and I don't think they pay enough attention to the state races. And there is a lot happening in Frankfurt. You can call the state general assembly anything you want to. I've probably used a lot of words to describe it myself, but you can't call it a do nothing legislature. They act every year. Nima, you know this. We've been up there together uh, fighting against certain things. Uh, they act, they do things. And it is really, really important for us to make gains. Even if it, I'm not saying we're going to take back the chambers. We need to make gains, really good House candidates, really good Senate candidates across the Commonwealth that I encourage everybody to look into. Yep. And I think that's what our commitment between now and November 8th is we're going to bring a candidate on every single week. Uh, sometimes it'll be the kind of keynote uh, interview like we're doing right now with you, uh, Senator McGarvey. But otherwise, it'll be a five minute quick for a House House race, uh, maybe a, a, a senator get a little more time. But, you know, it's really important that people understand who's running and why they're running and why you need to go out and support them, uh, you know, however you can, because you're right. It's just the deck is stacked in Frankfurt. Uh, and it, it's it's not a pretty picture for sure. Uh, they are very active. And we covered a lot of the horrible bills. Uh, you know, uh, last week, Doug ran through a bunch of those that were coming into uh, into 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 effect in, J in July. And, you know, not a lot of great ones. Some no. decent ones. They, they stuck struck a blow for porch pirates or against porch pirates. But, you know, then like ushering in charter schools at the expense of uh, public schools, a lot of really bad stuff. So yeah, anyway, yeah. your your race, really important race, mm -hmm. as you noted, kind of our best only shot to have a Democrat in uh, in D.C. looking out for our Commonwealth. Uh, how is it going right now? Uh, and then, uh, you know, wh why are you doing this? You know, why why did you throw your hat in the ring? Well, well I know it's cliche, um, but it's true. Sometimes cliches can be true. There's only two ways to run, unopposed and scared. So we are running like we're behind. Um, we're in a good district. Uh, it, it's it's a great place to represent, but we can't take anything for granted. So uh, I was knocking on doors this Saturday. Uh, I think it's the hottest day we've knocked on doors yet. We were out there for a while. Um, and I think the, the, the temperature only got up to about 98 on the thermometer. The heat index had it above then. But the coldest I've knocked on doors was 14 degrees. So between 14 and 98 degrees, we've been knocking on doors. We've been knocking on doors every weekend since December. We're putting together a really good coordinated campaign plan here. It's going to harness energy, not just for our campaign, but for Charles Booker, because we got to try and get Rand Paul out of the United States Senate. For Craig Greenberg, we got to keep a Democratic mayor here in Louisville. And then one of the things that I'm really passionate about, you heard me talking about already, the State General Assembly, that's where I've, that's where I've come through. And so we're coordinating also with the state legislative candidates here in Louisville to try and get some of them across the line. Look, a rising tide lifts all ships. And so one thing we haven't done, I think, enough of, we, we can do some self 
uh, analysis here is that we haven't always done a great job saying how can we help each other out because I think when you're helping somebody else uh, run for state rep or state senate, you're also helping the top of the ticket and vice versa. So really trying to do that here, build good momentum. We need help, you know, yeah. for people watching. There are ways you can help, whether it is knocking on doors. If that's not your thing, I totally get it. It could be taking a yard sign. It could be delivering a yard sign. It could be donating even small dollar amounts, help all of our candidates uh, get into office. It could be simply talking to your friends and neighbors where you work, where you go to church, where you hang out um, and, and telling them that, you know, why you're voting the way you're voting. That friend to friend contact is still a really effective way in a cluttered environment. So um, the race is going well. Uh, we are running against kind of your typical 60-year-old uh, self-funding millionaire Republican. Um, and so, you know, again, we're not taking that for granted. We are out there. We're out there every day working right now, including Sundays. Um, and, you know, hopefully our message will resonate and we'll be able to hold the seat and make sure that Kentucky has a Democratic voice in Washington, um, that we have somebody who is standing up for, for really Kentucky's families, for Kentucky's working families. And, you know, I'd like to not be the only one. I certainly hope Charles Booker can win his race as well. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to work hard and make sure we've got at least one. I love I love to hear the coordination. I think that's so important. Uh, as you noted, you know, it's you get more momentum, you get more awareness, you get more engagement, you know, let people know that it's not just, you know, one election that matters. There's a whole sea of amazing and important candidates that we can support. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, at, about Charles Booker's efforts to take down uh, Rand Paul because Rand Paul is horrible. As we cover just about every week in the show, Rand Paul is absolutely horrible, and he does not do our uh, our Commonwealth any service back there in Washington D.C. He just gives himself, you know, uh, he takes care of himself and his own like his own weird needs, which aren't actually to you know pass legislation. It's just to make weird points and uh, and get quoted. So at any rate, uh, I, I'm really glad that you you know that you're that you're that you're there that you're going to be running hard in Louisville and you're you know coordinating with other other races. Uh, we'll we'll share out your your website. You know, uh, but I, I wonder like, you know, I don't want to be cynical or too too down about the chances, but it seems like everyone who says <laughs> what's going to happen in November is that the the Democrats are going to lose the House. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, I guess if I don't know it's true, I shouldn't say it. But, you know, I haven't run the polling for these these races. But, you know, what 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 when you get if you get to Washington, D.C., what do you see your role there? Like, what are you going to do? Like uh, if you're a minority party, you don't have as much you know ability to move an event agenda. Uh, but, you know, uh, what, are you, what are you going to make a priority while you're in uh, if you get to Washington, D.C.? Yeah. And, and, and first thing about the House, what I would remind people listening to us tonight and watching tonight, there's no way we're going to keep a majority in the United States House if we lose this seat. So the first thing we've got to do is hold this seat. That's what I'm laser focused on. Um, it's hard for me to believe. I first ran for the state Senate and got elected 10 years ago in 2012. And when I ran for the state Senate in 2012, I ran, we ran it out of my kitchen table and the basement is where we kept the yard signs. Uh, and I told people, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Frankfurt and I am going to stand up for what I believe is right. And I'm going to fight for our values, but I'm going to do it while trying to get real things done. And that's what I did. Um, I have been in the super minority 
every day since being in office. I got elected Democratic leader of the Senate when a guy named Matt Bevin was governor. Uh, I know what it's like to lead those fights on everything from whether women can have access to reproductive care, to whether teachers and educators can keep their pensions, to whether kids can have health care, right? And I've led those fights while still passing 18 bills into law through a supermajority chamber. And, you know, not just little stuff either. Laws protecting victims of human trafficking and, and domestic violence. Um, laws preserving marriage equality. Uh, laws promoting education. And, and so we've done some, some good stuff. And I'm not saying that I can, can do everything the same in Washington that I've done in Frankfurt. But when I got this team together for run for this office, it's bigger. I'm in the campaign headquarters right now. I didn't have a campaign headquarters running for the state Senate. Uh, I've got people around me on the team. Um, and they said, okay, how do you want to run for this office? I said, well, I want to tell people that I'm going to do what I believe is right, stand up and fight for our values and try to get stuff done. Uh, it's the same message I've always done because that's who I am. That's what I am. It, it's why I think uh, public service is important. I believe that our government can still do big things that help people in their daily lives. Um, and that's what drives me to service. It's why I run and making that progress. Uh, it means so much. You know, when you lose these legislative fights, Nima, I keep looking at you. We've been together when we've lost some. We've been together when we've won some. Um, and losing is very hard. Uh, it matters, right? But also doing something that helps somebody out, whether it's constituent services, getting somebody's Medicaid restored. Um, even just getting their driver's license for them, or whether it's passing a law, you know, that makes sure the widows of firefighters get the death benefits they, de they deserve. Um, those victories are so important. Uh, it's what I've done in Frankfurt for the last 10 years. It's what I'm going to do if I get elected to go to Washington. That's awesome. And I'm going to throw it to my co-host to ask a question, but uh, but I wanted to just check in because I know you had made an effort to do red flag a red flag law in, in Kentucky. You lined yourself up, you know, it seemed like a really good you know, Republican co-sponsor to work with uh, and just di like, didn't get you where you wanted to be on that. What, what, what's your analysis of that issue? And, you know, clearly we've seen, I don't know if you were on earlier, but you heard maybe that uh, that local Republicans in Jessamine County uh, mm -hmm. have censored uh, Mitch McConnell because he dared to vote for a, a bill that had some vague support kind of for red flag laws, not requiring them, but allow, you know, giving resources to states to do it if they wanted to. You know, what's your take on that issue and, and why do you think it's so divisive? Yeah, I I introduced that initial um, bill we call it the Crisis Aversion Rights Retention uh, Law here in Kentucky because of a constituent. My constituent, Whitney Austin, uh, she worked for Fifth Third Bank here in Louisville. She was going to a meeting at the, the Fifth Third office in Cincinnati. She was walking into work and she was shot 12 times as part of a mass shooting. So there she was. And she's my age. She's a young mother of two at the time in 2018. And she is bleeding out on the sidewalk outside of her work. And a police officer rescued her. And she said, as I was lying there dying on the sidewalk, I made a promise that if I made it through this, I would try to help end gun violence. She came home to Louisville from the Cincinnati hospital and through, because you know, I call it Louisville Village. Everybody knows everybody around here. Um, a friend of hers had gone to high school with me. She'd already reached out. I went over to her house and I sat in her house the day she came home from the hospital with her hair still wet, having washed the blood out when she got home, right? And I, I had policy options. And I said, you tell me which one you want to work on. This is the one she thought made the most sense that we can make some real progress on. We can. It'll work. Um, and so we got to work on it. Have some Republican co-sponsorship. And when I see people, the actions like of Jessamine County, censuring um, progress 
uh, on, on guns, common sense gun reform in this country. Uh, it's insane. I'm tired of people saying there's nothing we can do when we're doing nothing. Um, we really can help on this issue. Look at the crisis aversion rights retention order we put forward. Right? It would allow individuals who are in crisis, it would allow law enforcement to temporarily remove their firearm. You know, over 60% of the gun deaths in Kentucky and in this country come from suicide. Um, you look at some of the mass shootings that get all the headlines. It could help there too. Why aren't we giving ourselves the tools to help in this regard? Um, I, I hope we've seen some progress in the wake of Uvalde. Uh, I know that when I had to tell my wife and then talk with our kids about what happened that day, I then took the kids to school the next morning, uh, our, our elementary school students who are in fourth grade. And I, I, I say this, and I believe it, every policymaker in this country should have been required to drop kids off at school the day after the Evalde school shooting. And imagine what those parents are going through knowing that they will never pick their kids up. Um, this is an issue that doesn't happen anywhere else. And we can't have laws that allow it to happen here. Right. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, progressive folks were like, oh, that bill wasn't enough, you know, but like the fact that we actually got a bill done in the United States of America to do something about, you know, gun safety and increased safety for our communities after Vivaldi, it wasn't enough, but it was something. And I think we need to celebrate that. And the fact that we, that we, that we accomplished that mm -hmm. shows that we can, we can do it. We can do more, right? It's going to take more work and it's going to take more outrage and take more fights and organizing and education and outreach, but it's going to take more elections too, right? Like you got to elect, if you want, if yeah. you want laws to get better for gun safety, which again, it's, it's not rocket science. You look around the rest of the Western world where we don't have, they don't have these massive shootings. They don't have all this gun deaths. You know, we are awash in guns. We can do things to add more speed bumps on the road. Right. Uh, but you know, you got to get legislators who are willing to do that. And I'm very glad, you know, glad to know you are going to be one of those votes. You know, uh, John Yarmouth was one of those votes too. So we need to get more folks like you guys back there for sure. Uh, but you know, that does require all of us to just be a lot, you know, a lot more engaged, tell our friends about what's happening in these races, get it at the local level, at the federal level, everything we can do. So, uh, that's my question. Uh, I, there was a question in there at some point, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll step back off my soapbox and, and throw it to my co-hosts to see if they've got a question for you, Morgan. There's somebody coming off. Hey, hey Morgan, um, what do you think, how are you feeling on the ground? What are you hearing at the doors? Because I think, that's always a good indication of, of kind of how people are feeling right now. So how are you, um, how are, I know you're in Louisville, which is a little bit of a bubble like us here in Lexington, but what are you hearing from the doors when you're, when you're knocking? What are people talking about? Yeah. You know what people are talking about and I think that I'm with you, the doors are a great barometer. It's changed. You know, I mean, when I first started knocking on doors in December, nobody was talking about Russia. Um, you know, nobody was talking about abortion. Uh, Roe hadn't been overturned at that point. So people are talking about some of those things now. Obviously, inflation is hitting all of us, uh, and, and people are talking about that on the doors. Uh, if I had to say one overarching theme, it's, it's a little bit of unease. Um, and, and I think that that's what kind of people are talking about right now generally. Um, but people want a representative in Washington. I'm sure this translates into Frankfurt, too, right? 
who they know is going to go and fight for them in the legislature. Not that one member of the legislature can change everything all at once, but someone they can depend on who knows what it's like to live in the community, to, to have kids, to, to see these things on the ground um, and be willing to stand up and try to make progress. I think people are tired of a lack of progress uh, and, and people not doing stuff. And so seeing people who are willing to do that, I think you know one of the things I've, I've had success on the doors is talking about my track record of, of doing just that, of you know standing up for what's right, but also working to move the ball forward. Uh, and I think that is is what people are looking for. There's some unease and they want legislators who are willing to work and move the ball forward and make things better. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you running for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, Doug, any final uh, question before we let uh, let our guests go? Uh, sure. Uh, so excited to have you here. You've been on our show before or uh, maybe on the Mitch McConnell Retirement Committee. That's what okay, it was. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's been a while ago. Uh, lots of water under the bridge since then. I I was working on something last week or a week before, uh, talking about the um, Chad Meredith fiasco, and I ran into something that, um, that I want to say I've watched you several times on the in the Senate chambers. Uh, I really appreciate your intelligence and your uh, also seen your TikTok videos and really appreciate those. <laughs> Some of the Republicans that try to do that, uh, they're laughable, but not in a nice <laughs> way. Um, but anyway, I was doing some research on Ted Meredith. And as I understand, his dad is Stephen Meredith. Yep. And Stephen Meredith is a senator. So I know you know him. Mm-hmm. And I ran across the, the Senate bill that Meredith proposed was talking about an act protecting the exercise of medical ethics and diversity within the medical profession. And I loved your floor amendment. You may not remember this. I remember it. I remember your floor amendment. It said to amend to broaden the class of people entitled to object on the basis of religious, moral, ethical, or philosophical beliefs or principles to include LRC staff, leadership staff, security personnel, doorkeepers, state park employees, and state troopers. Yes. Yeah, but it's how we build the bill. Yeah, it's part Uh, of how we build the bill. And I think, you know, legislative procedure is not sexy to a lot of people, Doug. So I'm glad you you looked this up and researched it. This warms my heart tonight. Um, But, you know, that bill, as I read it, and I talked to, to Senator Merritt about it. I think he would disagree with my reading of it. But as I read it, it would allow anybody in the medical profession. I'm talking from the custodian to the medical student, to the pharmacist, to the physician, right? I mean, everybody along the way that if they had an issue of conscience with a patient could refuse them services. So whether that's refusing to change someone's bedpan because, um, uh, you know, their sexual orientation is different than yours, whether it's, you know, refusing to give someone services because you think their lifestyle uh, isn't, isn't what you would recommend, right? So really far reaching could bring the, the health system to a grinding halt. I mean, just really not good policy. Um, but you know, as you talked about some of the, the crazy votes that are being taken in Frankfurt right now, I was afraid if this one went to the floor, it was going to pass. So we put an amendment on it that said, you know what, what if somebody had a moral objection to writing this bill? 
<laughs> they shouldn't have to write this bill either. Think of all the things we ask people to do <laughs> that might be against their belief system. But we ask them to do it because it's, it's part of their job. And so that amendment kept that bill from getting a vote. Um, and, and so we were, we were happy with that legislative little bit of procedure. And I hope that one's gone away for good now. That's awesome. Well, I know that you've got a hard stop and uh, I, I appreciate that you've got a very, very busy schedule and you made some time for us uh, and uh, good luck on the campaign trail. And, you know, let us know if there's anything you need from us for sure. We've shared out your website where people can go and volunteer and help out and do some doors with you and uh, make some donations. But but yeah, really important that we get you to D.C. for sure. Uh, hopefully we won't send you alone. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an important time between now and November 8th. Uh, and I hope everyone does everything they can because, uh, it's, it's critical. We make a change in this country for sure. Perfect. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Good seeing you, brother. Good to see you all. Awesome. All right. So that is, uh, is, is most of our show. Uh, I tell you what, the guy is, he's a great guy. Like he's a genuine, like smart, thoughtful, considerate guy. And I don't, I don't know how he'd been in Lexington or in uh, Frankfurt for 10 plus years. I don't know that they let 12 year olds, uh, you know, have seats in, in these bodies, but, uh, but yeah. And anyway, I, I do think that he, um, he would be a great representative in DC for sure. Uh, that was an interesting, uh, an interesting primary. Uh, and, you know, we'd had Attica on the show and we'd had Morgan on the show or the precursor to the show. But uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, we get, we've got a great candidate uh, and I, you know, I, I hope everyone does everything they can to make sure we hold that seat. Uh, and Hey, the great thing about it, if you're working in Louisville and putting some time into that seat, you're also putting some time into the base that Charles needs absolutely needs huge turnout to, to win statewide in Kentucky. Right. So that's not a bad way to spend it. And apparently also supporting some, some state reps as well. And, uh, and a good mayor candidate too. So, you know, uh, I don't know. We, I don't forget, folks, Doug, if you're up for it, should we take a trip to Louisville between now and November 8th, spend some time knocking on some doors? I think we probably should, shouldn't we? <laughs> I, think, I think so. I wonder the, is the AFT going to endorse in those races? You know, we've been talking about it, and um, I would be expecting something to come up from at least the federal races. You know, we're brand new, and we, um, you know, it's like one of those things, like, do you want to jump in with both feet on in the actual political world, or do we still want to, you know, mind our business? Uh, so, but, you know, you know, I don't ever like minding my business, you know, uh, so, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I've definitely spoken to Morgan and Charles uh, about some stuff and with some of our candidates here in Fayette. Well, and I know you guys are super new and, you know, it takes a minute to kind of build up that political arm as well. But, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure they're both going to get a ton of labor endorsements. Uh, and, oh, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as it goes, you know, I mean, obviously I'm personally endorsing Morgan and personally endorsing Booker. But, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Just stay tuned. We're We're, we're doing some stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will watch the space and we'll have you back to talk about it. We really do appreciate you, Nima, coming in the kind of uh, to help cover our cover our chairs here. And you do you always do a great job. I always have some interesting Nima isms to share with us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's always fun to have you on. So thanks so much. Now we're going to give it over to Doug to, to close us out, huh? Uh, sure. The first thing we need to do is to remember to take our poll. We've got over 225 responses and we would like to hit 500. So if you can take five minutes right now 
to help us pick the worst actions of this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad legislature. Once we hit 500 responses, we'll share it with the media and help remind voters what the GOP supermajority is doing to our Commonwealth. Uh, we're back next week with another amazing candidate for Congress from Kentucky, Matt Lehman, taking on Thomas Math Massey in uh, Northern Kentucky. We hope that you'll log in and join us. I've met Matt a couple of times and I think you'll be very impressed with him. Hey, uh, Doug, can I cut in for one second? Uh, I realized yeah. I, made, I made a quick update to the run of show, but then when okay. I heard you flipping through your papers, I realized you'd probably uh, had printed it out before I'd made that change. So there's one other action we want everyone to take uh, this week for our call to action. Uh, the uh, Protect Kentucky Access. So Planned Parenthood, ACLU, and a bunch of other groups are working in coalition, working hard to oppose that constitutional amendment to ban all abortion access in Kentucky. Uh, they are launching, uh, having launch events happening all across the Commonwealth right now. Uh, so you can visit a link, uh, a mobilized page to find out more about these launch events uh, and how you can help out. But again, it's one of these really important elements of, uh, of that ticket on November 8th. And, you know, the first thing you'll be voting on, I think, are those constitutional amendments. And we want to make sure that folks are fighting for uh, keeping abortion access, uh, despite what's happened uh, in Roe v. Wade. Uh, and uh, that's that's a really important vote. So, yeah, go check that stuff out. Uh, back to you, Doug. Sorry. OK, thank you. Uh, Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with Kentucky Secretary of State. We're organized as a 501c4. We're affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement uh, called CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, and increase voter turnout and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Production this evening was by our very own NATO. Thank you, Nate, for the theme songs. You can find more information and music at natosongs.com. Sometimes he sings to us uh, as we're doing the show, and he always keeps us entertained. If you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, don't worry. You can rewatch shows and see our source links on Facebook. Or audio podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Logo and some graphic content provided by Couchfire Media. More information can be found at couchfarmedia.com. Join us next week for another great show. We hope to see you here and invite your friends.